Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. I do greatly appreciate the, the prayers and the concern of uh, the people of this church. Um, you know, I, I, I've always, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say in the past that they could feel the prayers of uh, people as they would pray for them. And uh, like most people, sometimes that kind of makes my brain go a little bit tilt. And uh, but in in this kind of a situation, I, I I really could feel the power of the prayers of the congregation of this church. I know that uh, everything happened so rapidly that uh, we we didn't really get a chance to to let everybody know what was going on um, as as quickly maybe as you would have liked in order to know what was going on, but we'll just suffice to say that God had his hand on me and I'm here today because of his power and his grace and the way that he worked in my physical body. And, um, you know, I I know that a couple of weeks ago, uh, really a a month ago or so, Pastor Mel asked me if I would uh, do this Sermon, and then a couple of weeks ago, he said, "Are you sure that you feel up to doing this?" Uh, you know, because he doesn't want to overtax me. Um, you know, and I, I assured him that I would. I I will admit that you know I I can feel the effects of it, but I feel so energized. There's something about God's word that brings an energy out in us that. Uh, otherwise may not be there. I probably wouldn't fare near as well cutting firewood as I am preaching. So I, I do appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. And this has been so good for me uh, to do uh, this service. This morning as we finish up this series in Ephesians, we're going to be talking about the full armor of God, putting on this armor and allowing it to work, and us working within the power of it. But before I I start in Ephesians, there's a a verse of Scripture that I want to look at that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's verse 5. And it says this, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought captive. I struggled with that for a long time. You know, even thinking about taking captive every thought that goes through my mind. Because, you know, there are things, they just fire right through your brain and and you think, where in the world did that come from? And uh, I I just, and there was a great part of my life that uh, I, I just would get so angry with the enemy because he was always planting these thoughts that I hated. And I I couldn't believe that that thought even went through my mind. 
I, I just couldn't even believe it because I, I knew I was a Christian. I knew that I wanted to meditate on the things of God and the Word of God. But it, for some reason, uh, he just is constantly whispering and whispering all of this garbage into our brains in order to captivate our attention and get our attention off of God and what God wants to do and say and teach us in our lives. They're, they're like flaming arrows. And, and Paul uh, refers to those in, in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6. He, he, he talks there about um, extinguishing the flaming missiles that come at our mind. The, I'm, I'm not afraid of anything coming at, at me personally, but the, the, the devil doesn't have the right to do that. But what he does is he wants to infiltrate your mind and get your focus off of the things of God and get them off on everything else under the sun. You know, he just bombards us with every reason under the sun to, to uh, think that God, we don't deserve anything that God wants to do for us. Anyone ever had that happen to you? You, know, you feel less than human when he's done with you? Well, God wants to protect us from that, and He's already provided, made provision so that we can get past that and not have to uh, deal with that in the same manner. That's what we want to talk about today. How many of you here have ever felt like living for Christ, uh, life itself, is a great big task? It's, it's overwhelming. It's bigger than me. Life is bigger than me. That's why it feels that way. It really is bigger than us. It, it takes more than what we have on the inside of us in order to live for Christ in this earth. It just takes more. And even though, you know, we work toward that and, and, and some days we get up and, and we're just determined we're going to do this for God and we're going to do that for God and I get about uh, 30 minutes into the day and it's already, I've fallen flat on my face because I'm trying to do it in my strength and my strength just doesn't cut it. I learned that a long time ago. This whole letter to the church at Ephesus has been written pointing toward this last principle that Paul wants them and us to get a grasp on. And it is this armor of God that has been given in order so that we can live successful in this life. And I, can, I, I guarantee you wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't want to be successful in your relationship with Christ. Listen, God never lays out His plan of instruction for our lives without providing for us His grace to be able to accomplish it. He's already made available to us everything that we need, and then He gives us instruction. 
He, he never does anything the other way around. I felt like He did at times. But I know now, at this stage of my life, that God's track record with me is perfect. Even though sometimes mine is, well, let me rephrase that. Even though my track record with Him is not perfect, His with me is perfect. He never fails me. He never leaves me alone. He's always there working in me and working on my behalf. He's a good, good God. This is part of, uh, uh, of what he's talking about in Ephesians 6.10. So, uh, God's provided grace to us. That, that, that's His ability to do what you cannot do for yourself. It's, it's another definition of grace that we don't normally hear. We hear normally only about the unmerited favor of God. And, and I'm so thankful for that. I didn't deserve salvation. I, I, I didn't merit it, but God provided it for me. And then He chased me down. He chased me down until He found me. And I said yes to Jesus Christ. But God has this, this grace, that, and, and it's His power that's resident on the inside of me to do what I can't do for myself. We just need to learn how to tap in to that power that is alive and well on the inside of us. This is the, one of the bigger problems that, that we have, and it's that we are eminently more qualified or equipped to do what God has asked us or told us to do than what we think. And I can make that statement because I know what God has put on the inside of us when we ask Jesus to come into our life. We're going to talk about that just in a couple of minutes. Paul didn't tell us to just buck up and do it. No. Paul wanted us to know that the provision of power was already there. He said, be strong in the Lord and in, and in the strength of Jesus' might. Not your strength. He never told us to be strong in and of ourselves. He said, you be strong in the power of Jesus Christ and in His might. I, I, I want you to listen carefully just for a few minutes because what I have to say to you will change your life if you'll get it in your heart. I'm not worried so much about you getting it in your brain. If you get it in your heart, your heart will get it in your brain. It, it, it works much better if we're assimilating the things of God this way instead of trying to do it this way. doesn't work very well when we try to do it backwards. In, in, in verses 11 and 12, Paul tells us, to put on the full armor of God that you may be able 
to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil are crafty lies and tricks that he's constantly trying to perpetrate against us all day, every day. Even when we're having good times in our day and, and, and we're spending time with God, we may be having the most amazing time in prayer that we've had in days or even weeks at times. And then all of a sudden, this, this evil, rotten thought goes, shoots right through your brain. God didn't shoot that through your brain. The devil did. Because he's trying to distract you from the things of God. So we're, we, the, the purpose of putting on this armor is to be able to stand firm against those lies and schemes. In verse 12 he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Your battle is not against other humans. Your battle is not against your spouse. Your battle is not against a, 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 a sibling. Even though I'll admit my brother can trip my trigger quicker than anybody else on earth, my battle is still not against him because I can always get him straightened out. <laughs> He'll love hearing this. But Paul knew firsthand that God does not leave us unprotected. I want you to see a picture that is, has been given to us. It's, it's in the Old Testament, and, and it's clear back in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and, and it's in the first uh, four and five verses of that chapter. And it, it talks there about a, a, a covenant relationship that David was developing with his friend Jonathan. Now, a, a, a covenant relationship goes way beyond just a standard friendship that we would have with, with somebody. We have a lot of people that we consider friends, but a covenant relationship, a covenant friendship is something that would be more on the line of a husband-wife relationship where you become one in heart with the other. Now, no other relationship should ever interfere with that husband-wife relationship. But you can have covenant relationship with other people. And Jonathan and David came together. They were close friends. And they were, beginning, they were making this covenant relationship with each other. In fact, the Bible says that their heart was as one. They had one purpose in life, and that was to do what God commanded them to do. They were both amazingly godly men. And, and so, uh, but what I want you to see is this picture that is painted there for us. 
David was a shepherd. A shepherd was considered to be the lowest of the lowest of the low in society. In fact, when David came to make this covenant with Jonathan, he came absolutely, totally bankrupt. He only had his staff. He only had his shepherd's clothes. He didn't have any wealth. He didn't have any notoriety. He didn't have much of anything that he could bring. In fact, the only thing that he could bring was himself and his friendship to offer to Jonathan. But Jonathan, on the other hand, was the king of Israel in waiting. His daddy was King Saul. And, and Jonathan knew that when his father was incapable of handling the, 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 the strains of the kingship, he knew that that would be his. He was in waiting to be king. He had everything under the sun going for him. The finest clothes, the best armor, the, the best training, everything that he could have possibly wanted belonged to him. But listen to what Jonathan did with his friend. Jonathan took his armor off and laid it aside. And then he took all of his kingly garments, his robe, which would have been made out of the best material, by the best seamstress in the whole land of Israel. I, I, I want you to understand the opulence in which he lived and what he had to offer to David. He took that off and he put his garments on David. It was like he took everything off and hung that on David. And then he picked up his armor and he put that armor on David. And so now... David, and we know that he ultimately became the king. But the thing is, the thing I want you to see and understand is Jesus did the same thing for you. When you came to Him, you were bankrupt. You didn't have anything whatsoever to offer Him except for you, yourself. And yet, he took off his kingly garments and he laid them aside. And he came to earth to die on a cross, to be buried in a grave, and to raise again. And when you came to Jesus, he took those kingly garments that were his and he put them on you. And really what he's saying to us in doing that is everything that I am, all of the power, all of the authority that God has given to me, I hang that on you. Everything that you need, God has provided in what Jesus did for you on the cross. We're, we're, we should be wanting for nothing. But yet, every day of our lives, we need God to re-energize us and, 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 and to show us the way. And, and I'm just glad that He never gets tired of doing that. At least, that's what He does for me. 
But when I began to get the realization that everything that Jesus is, I already am on the inside. Everything. Why in the world am I capitulating to this stupid devil? I have the very power of God living on the inside of me. I don't have to listen to Him. I don't have to do anything that He suggests. I don't have to have any part with Him. In fact, back in Isaiah, it says when we see Him, our response is going to be, and this, this pipsqueak is what's bothered me all my life. This insignificant nothing It's true. God has filled us with Himself. Jesus said back in the Gospel of John that all power and authority in heaven and in earth have been given to me and now I'm giving it to you. Does that sound like, like, like we're powerless and, and we lack in authority? To tell the devil to get out? What did Jesus do to him? He says, it's written. He used the Word of God on him, and he had to leave Jesus. And we need to practice that until we have that same uh, power and authority exercised in our lives. God has already provided for you everything that you need. This armor to protect you and this power to be what God has asked you, created you to be. In verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians 6, it says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Now he repeats himself from verse 11. He tells us to put on the full armor of God there. He tells us to do the same thing here. It's really important for us to realize it's important when the Bible repeats itself. It's making a very important uh, point that, that God wants us to get. Put it on. And so, you know, Paul says again, Therefore, take up this full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore. Listen, we're in the evil day. As long as we're on this earth, we're in the evil day. And we need to have this armor and we need to put it on so that we can stand firm on the evil day. That means every day of our life we need to get up and we put this armor on every day. Go through the same ritual of, of spending time with God and getting this armor firmly planted on ourselves and in ourselves. And I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that he put in the beginning of verse 14, 
stand therefore. It, 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 it just helps me to, to understand that, that there's a, a power and ability that goes with the armor and, this, and the standing because it enables me to stand. I was uh, quite a stubborn young man when I was younger. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to not be a stubborn person. Because, and I started to pray about it. I was probably in my mid-twenties and I was beginning to understand that my stubbornness was hurting people. And, and my stubbornness uh, would, would hurt my wife, and I really didn't want to go there. And so I began to diligently pray and ask God to take that stubbornness out of me. And I prayed, and I pleaded, and I begged, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed for a long time. And, and I was really intensely praying this one day, and I said, God, I need you to do this. I just can't stand this any longer. I want to be different. And, and just as clearly, uh, it seemed to me, as clearly as I'm speaking to you, God said, no, I will not take that out of you. And I, I, it, it, took, it, it took me back. Well, but God, I know that, that, that you didn't create this stubbornness that hurts people on the inside of me. I, I, I can't get rid of it. If you don't do this, I can't do it. And he said, I don't want to get rid of it. He said, what I want you to do is give it to me. And then what I will do is I will funnel it in the right direction. That you will become stubborn against the lies and the schemes of the enemy and you'll be able to stand for me. He just empowered me to see everything from a different perspective. And I've been doing my best to live that way ever since. But everything about us is not necessarily bad. God just wants us to give it to Him and let Him funnel it in the direction that it needs to go. Paul wants us to know that God has made a way for us to resist the devil. We've all felt like we could not win against him. Every one of us here has felt that way at one time or another. It is a lie. It is a lie. We have everything already in us to resist him. Having done everything to stand firm, we stand firm. How do we stand firm? It comes by learning the promises of God and by knowing that those promises are absolute truth. He says here uh, to stand firm having gird your loins, verse 14, with truth. 
and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. But truth is the whole foundation of this armor that God wants us to put on. This is the truth. There's nothing else on the face of this earth that is true like this is true. What God says about you, what God speaks in your heart, that's true. In the Roman, uh, uh, with the Roman armor, they, they had this, this belt that would go around their, their uh, midsection, their loins, and, and it, it was an armor that they would put on, and it was the whole foundation of their armor. Truth is the foundation of your resistance and your ability to stand. And they would put on this, this belt, and, and it would strap to, around their legs. It couldn't be pulled off, and it would strap tightly around their waist. And then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you are the essence of righteousness. Because He is. Not because you are. But because He is. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it tells us there that He, God, made Him, Jesus, sin on your behalf. So that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God made you to be righteousness in Christ Jesus. If you're made to be something, it cannot be anything else. When I made a piece of furniture, you couldn't change it. It was what I made it to be. And God made you to be the righteousness, His righteousness in Christ. And so the, the truth of that fact goes across our, our chest. And it, it, it's this armor that, that's on here and it, it's attached to this belt. It can't be lifted up. It can't be pulled off in any direction. It's strapped on us. It's there. It's our breastplate. And then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace will take you a long ways. In fact, living in peace is not a suggestion, it's a command. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, um, I have it written down. If possible, it's, it's Romans 12, 18. If possible, so much as it depends upon you, be at peace with 
all mankind. He doesn't say if you feel like it. It's a command for us to live in peace. Peace will take us a long ways in life. Peace with God and peace with mankind. With mankind's a lot tougher than with God. But we can do it. We can do it when we keep this armor on because we're not seeing our battle against flesh and blood. We're realizing that our battle is against the devil. That's the truth. And it it, it just empowers us to be able to, to forgive people for egregious things that they do to us, and it, it, it enables us then to live in peace. It's, it's like, the, you know, it says shod with the gospel of peace. They had to put it on. And it was strapped on. It wouldn't come off. God wants us to live in this perfect peace that He has already provided. In fact, it already lives on the inside of us. Even when we don't feel it, it's there. And then he goes on in verse 16. He says, in addition to all. So all of that that he's already said, he said, now add this to that. Taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming missiles of the evil one. It doesn't say that with this shield you'll just be able to guard yourself against them, which is what we think about when we think about a shield. You know, somebody's swinging a sword and put the shield out there and you you protect yourself from that sword. No, it... It goes beyond that. It not only absorbs the, the strike of the, the other sword, but it extinguishes it. It makes it powerless against you. When we begin to get a picture in, in our hearts and in our minds of, of, of who we really are in Jesus Christ, we're going to live our lives altogether different. It's, it's there, this, this, this shield that God has provided for us is there. And it extinguishes all of those missiles. And verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the helmet of salvation. Listen. God's Word is at work in your heart. God's changing you from the inside out. And He starts here. The devil attacks here. God works here. God doesn't attack us with truth. Truth just works in us. It changes us. And so what God is doing is, is He's taking this truth and and He's moving the reality of this truth up here. 
God's always working upward. He's always bringing what's in our heart and He's infiltrating our mind with that because it's truth. So we need this helmet of salvation, this helmet that will protect our mind as God renews it. Because when we begin to understand what's here, up here, it changes the way we live. I, I, listen, I do the things that I do because I know that it's the right thing to do. And I learned that it's the right thing to do because the truth of God's Word is moved from here up to here. Not the other way around. So we need to protect our mind, and then the sword of the Spirit. It, this, it, it's like when you speak God's Word, when you speak it, it's like a sword that shoots out of your mouth. And the devil can not withstand it. That's what Jesus did. Every time the devil tempted him, Jesus would say, it's written, you shall not serve any other gods except for the Lord God Almighty. It, it works every time it's tried. But it's like this sword that shoots out of it. You know, we, we have in our mind that the sword of the Spirit something we wield with our hand. We wield it with our tongue. It's what gives the, the words coming out of our mouth. It's what gives them power. And authority is the Word of God. It's like a, a sword that we have at our disposal. If you're anything like me, I don't use it near often enough. But it's there. And then Paul finishes up, I mean, you know, he's, he's beginning to finish up this book of Ephesians. And, and he says in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. That's being Spirit-directed. Just let, let, let what's down in here direct the prayer that you offer up to God. That's all that, that, that Paul is, is indicating to us. Is there, you know, there's prayer that we can pray that comes up out of here rather than just here. I'll be honest with you, if I'm praying out of my brain, I'm asking God for things that are really kind of irrelevant a lot of times. Oh, I need a new four-wheeler and I need... A new... That's irrelevant stuff. The things of this world, I don't care what it is, the things of this world are irrelevant things. What God wants us to pray is the Word of God that He's given to us. God, give me strength and ability to be everything that You've created me to be today. Not worried about tomorrow. It's today. I need to be everything that you need me to be so that I can speak life into somebody else's life. That's the, the, the being praying by the Spirit. Because, listen, the devil's not ever going to prompt you to pray like that. 
Only God's going to prompt you to pray like that. And so He's, he's wanting us to, to, to surround ourselves with prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. Listen, we pray one for the other because everybody sitting in here is attacked exactly the same way every day, all day long in their life. And if we're praying one for the other, we're making a difference in somebody else's life even if you're not there to see it. And then Paul goes on and he says, pray for me also. Listen, it's our responsibility to hold Pastor Mel and Kim up in prayer. The job that they have at this church is awesome. It's huge. They need our prayer and our prayer support. He never really says much asking for it, but it doesn't change it. I'm telling you, pray for him. It's the best thing that we can do for him is to hold him up in prayer. Because it gives him strength and ability to stand firm in order to teach us and to bring us along in our faith, which God's going to hold him responsible for. I know what it's like. Doesn't change any between him and I. So we pray for each other and hold each other up, asking God to, to empower us through His Spirit, by His Word, and to put on this armor and to stand firm. That's what the world needs to see, is us standing firm in our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and we praise You for Your presence in this place today. Father, I thank You that within my own heart, you have changed me forever. And Father, I believe that for every person sitting in this building today, they will never be the same because Your Word has entered their heart and changed their life. It's just what Your Word does. So Father, I pray that You would empower every one of us to be exactly what You have created us to be in this life so that we can accomplish what You have called us to do in this life. And Father, for that, we'll give You the praise and the honor. But with our eyes, heads bowed and our eyes closed, listen, in order to have this relationship and this power at work on the inside of us, we need to know Jesus Christ as our own Savior. If you're sitting in here this morning and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior, I, I want to encourage you to make that step today. Don't walk out of here all on your own. Walk out of here with Him working in you and empowering you. 
So if that's you, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to walk forward. We're not going to point you out. All we want you to do is to raise your hand so that we can pray for you and hold you up in prayer. So if you're here this morning and you need to know Jesus as your Savior, would you just raise your hand so that we can pray for you? I see that one. You can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Let's, I want everybody in this place to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to change me from the inside out. I ask you to empower me to never go back to my old life and my old way of living, but fully commit my all to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.